let's look at Second Peter chapter five and verse eight. It says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." There's so much to so much to unpack in this verse right here. Let's start off with, "Be sober." It's not talking about being sober as opposed to being drunk, but it's talking about be sober as in clear-headed, thinking clearly, knowing the times that you're living in, and especially knowing that these are the last days. It says also to be vigilant. That means be on watch, be on guard, have your guard up, be on the lookout. Why? It says because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion is walking around looking for someone that he might devour. Your adversary. Adversary is like your opponent. Someone that is against you, working against you. Your enemy is on the prowl. I think we should even personalize this, that it's your adversary, your opponent, the devil. Put this on the individual basis because the devil's out to get each and every one of us. And he's looking as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when it says devour here, it's not talking about, you know, like you see in the animal kingdom when, you know, an animal, a lion is eating the antelope or something like that. It gets like, you know, a bloody mess. It's not talking about like that. But it's talking about devouring your inner life. And he is compared to a lion. He is stalking, waiting, looking at you, watching you, making sure that, you know, you still have your guard up. Is there any signs of weakness? Because the devil, you know, he's not stupid. He's evil. He's a liar. And if we leave him unchecked, if we let our guard down just a little bit, he will look for any opportunity to slow walk you into a fast moving current of events that will sweep you into a sea of unintended consequences. And the ultimate unintended consequence is that final one, you being in hell. The devil has been in business for a long time and he knows human nature and he knows how to play us. Our likes, our personalities, our tendencies, our attitudes, both individually and even collectively. All of us, we have to be on guard at all times because we have too much at stake to lose. The Bible says, what does it profit a person if he loses, gains the whole world and loses his soul? It doesn't profit anything if in the end you're in hell. So we have a lot at stake here. We cannot let our guard down. We have to remind ourselves that salvation isn't like a vaccination where you just get it and then you got it and then that's it. But it's an ongoing struggle. It's an ongoing fight to keep the devil in check. It's an ongoing struggle. Even, almost every day, I should say, to make sure we stay prayed up, especially in our busy world. And some of us, we got kids and jobs to go to and things going on. It's hard to make time for prayer and Bible study. But our very spiritual lives depend on that because the devil will take any opportunity 
when it's been like a week or two or three and you haven't read your Bible or spent any time in prayer, that is you letting your guard down. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter 4 and verse 27, it says, Neither give place to the devil. In other words, don't give him an inch. Like the old saying goes, if you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And it's a little by little. It's not an overnight thing. Not like in the movies where the devil's just going to jump on your back and you oh, you can't get away. It's not like that. He is very slow sometimes. He's very subtle. He's very deceptive. Let's also look at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. It says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. So what we're looking at here, the word is subtlety. Subtlety. He's subtle. And there's that serpent kind of beguiled Eve. And for that word beguiled, we can also use mesmerized or even seduced. The devil seduced Eve and fooled her very subtly. He started off by saying, well, it's in Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 4. It says, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. When actually God said that's exactly what's going to happen. You will surely die. Verse 5 says, For God does know that in that day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall become as gods, knowing good and evil. And then, verse 6, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was, that it was pleasant to the eye, and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat as well. So the serpent convinced Eve and then Adam not, or to, I'm sorry, to eat of the forbidden fruit. How did they do that? Because they took their eyes off the word of God and began to listen to the devil. And the devil made it sound so good. They're going to get so much out of it. That it's going to be a good thing for them to disobey oh God and disobey God and get away with it. But just like all the lies of the devil, in the end, you'll be sorry. You'll be wondering, what have you done? Why did you do that? Why did you let the devil deceive you? And we could be the same way today. Because we have to keep in mind this, looking back at 1 Peter 5, is that that warning that the adversary is like a warning, roaring lion seeking who he may devour, that warning is for Christians. That's, that warning is for believers. If you're not a Christian, that means you're already devoured. You're already in the devil's camp. So we as Christians, we have to make sure that we're on guard because the devil doesn't take a break. No holidays, no vacations. Him and his demons are always on their job. So that means we have to be, just as the scripture says, watchful. We have to be vigilant and we have to be clear-headed, knowing how the seriousness of this situation and that it is a must, as the Bible says in Romans 8, 14. We must be led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14, it says, 
that the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And if you're not led by the Spirit of God, you're led by the God of this world, which is the devil. There's only two camps. There's only two teams. We have to constantly make sure that we're in constant contact with the Lord, reaffirming that relationship, getting a, getting a fresh word from God on a daily basis. He wants to communicate with us. We have to make sure we are listening. And how do we listen? Through prayer, through spending time alone with God quietly, and through reading His Word. And doing those things and seeking Him really keeps the devil off our backs because we'll be powered up by the Spirit of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. It says in Acts that, you know, we're going to get this Holy Spirit and we will have power. But at no time are we running on autopilot. At no time are we to let our guard down. Because again, the devil is watching. And he'll use any and every opportunity that he can. If not to take you down completely. To at least weaken you. Weaken you enough to take you to the next step. A little lower. A little further away. Don't read your Bible today. You'll do it tomorrow. Then tomorrow never comes. you do it next week. Oh, I'll do it next week. I'll, I'll go to Bible study next month, I promise, and that never happens. And little by little, little by little, you're being devoured. Let's look at the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, starting with verse 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And here's the punchline. And the world passes away. Verse 17. The world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he or she that does the will of God abides forever. See, the devil wants to get us in love with the world, mesmerized by the things of the world and just like Eve we'll be beguiled thinking how great the things of the world are and we want more of that but as it says in the scripture here it's just the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life the lust of the flesh what makes you feel good lust of the eyes it looks good to you, something that looks good to you, and the pride of life, something that you're going to get that's going to make you think you're all that, and a bag of chips. But all that stuff, as it says in verse 17, the world, it passes away, and the lust thereof. But for the Christian, we cannot be involved in the things of the world, because it gives us a promise here. It says, for he or she that does the will of God, Will abide forever. The world is passing away. If you do the will of God, you will abide forever. Those are only two camps. Those are only two teams. Those are only two choices. Choose wisely. And the greatest tell of where you are, something you can use to kind of take a good look at yourself, is how do you spend your time? Is prayer and Bible study an afterthought? Or is, is it primary in your life? And are you spending more time with Netflix and TikTok? 
Are you spending more time in prayer and Bible study? Are you spending more time on Facebook and less time on your face before God? 2 Corinthians 13.5 says for us to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. We have to take a good, honest look at ourselves and realize that we have a lot at stake. Like I've said before, we have too much at stake. We're at a fight for our lives. The devil is serious. This is no, this is no game. Especially in these last days, the book of Revelation says that the devil knows that his time is short and he's more full of wrath. So we are living in some, as the Bible says, some very perilous and dangerous times. We have to be on guard. We have to stay prayed up. There's too many things coming at us from the world. You can't, we can't neglect our inner life. Everything is trying to pull us out to distract us, to get on social media to get in front of the television to get you know in front of your smartphone and you know just mindlessly surf surf the net and watch youtube videos or whatever all that takes your time all that takes away from you examining what's really going on inside of you you can't examine yourself while you're on the phone you need to get quiet you need to talk to god because this is serious business you see the devil again he he's not stupid he knows how to package the lie in such a way to make it seem appealing to you and something that is innocent uh, we like to call it the noun syndrome the person places things and ideas of life the devil wrapped this up in a person or a place or a thing or an idea to make it look so innocent oh it's just a relationship or it's just a career goal or you know anything everything to distract you away from your relationship with God even innocent things things that are not sin of course it's not sin to like love your wife or love your children but if we put them in the wrong place in our hearts then we become unacceptable before God Jesus says in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verse 37. And he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So he's not saying don't love your mother and father, don't love your, your, your children. But Christ has to be number one. And really, if Christ is number one in your life, the best thing that you can do for your mother and father and for your sons and daughters is to tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. So they, too, will have that right relationship with him. Once again, we always have to be on guard. The devil is always stalking, even when we think he isn't. He is. And what he tries to do, he uses also a lot what I like to call the ABC method. Is anything but Christ. In this world, everything is coming at us. So many choices of things to do, things to be distracted with, especially here in America. You can have a hobby for everything from surfing to mountain climbing to computer, be a gamer, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever floats your boat, as they say. Just so many things to do. And the devil doesn't care. 
You can even go to church and be a religious person. The devil doesn't care. Just do not accept Jesus. A lot of people have faith in their religion more than they have in the, the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a sad situation to be in. And as always, the big three, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Some religious people you meet, oh, they're so proud that they are a fill-in-the-blank. Baptist, Methodist, Episcopal, whatever. It's like alphabet soup out there. But the question is, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength? Because anything less is unacceptable. The Bible says that we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. The Father seeks such to worship Him in that manner. And He's not going to change His mind. We have to comply to Him. It's not us that are making God comply to what we think we should and shouldn't be doing. We live in a hooked-on world. Everybody can get hooked on something. Everybody has a hobby of something that they like to do. That's really a, and a distraction. And it can be a distraction from their inner life if we let it. I'm not saying, you know... You know, don't leave your house, don't go anywhere, don't enjoy anything, but we just have to make sure that we have everything in its proper perspective because everything is trying to get into your heart to get a little piece of it if it can. But we always have to be on guard because if you give the devil an inch, he's going to take the whole mile. Probably a good example of this would be someone who's hooked on like uh, cocaine or drugs like uh heroin i know it's extreme but it seems to me it's uh, there's a lot of similarities to being hooked on that and hooked on other things that are quote not as dangerous because it all starts off the same good friends good times good feeling and then you're so strung out as they say that instead of it you playing with it it's messing with you now instead of you owning it it owns you people get addicted to drugs of course as we know but they get addicted to you know alcohol they get addicted to their phone addicted to face and face so i can't say it get addicted to social media there you go and there's so many things to get hooked on so many things to be busy with to the point where we need it we're not having fun. We, we need that to perk up our lives, to give us something to look forward to. But the, that is a dead-end trip. And just like the person who's hooked on heroin or cocaine or something like that, the end is very destructive. In the end, you're going to be paying a heavy price for it. And so it is with our spiritual lives. If we let our spirits and our hearts and minds get so distracted away from God and away from that relationship, we're going to have a very bitter end. And the thing about it is, too, that the blindness can be so thick that we become okay with being unsatisfied and being unfulfilled. Because we figure, you know what, everybody else feels the same way, and I'm just like everybody else. So, you know, those are the excuses that we make. You know, everybody else is doing it, and we're just trying to do the best we can. We're just, you know, we settled for mediocrity be settled for just being okay 
And in the end, we say, well, just that's how life is. Some of us will even go as far to say, and I hope not, but it does happen, that, oh, well, I guess when you're dead, you're done. We came from nothing as human beings. We're going to nothing as human beings. No reason, no meaning, no purpose, and no hope. But we don't have to live like that. Thank God for Jesus Christ, and He is our Savior, our Savior in so many ways and on so many levels. I heard it said once that Jesus is our answer, is everybody's answer to everything. For time and eternity, He is the Savior emotionally, physically, spiritually, again, for time and eternity. The book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, said He's come to give us life. And that more abundantly. You know, life can be a bummer. But Jesus Christ came to fulfill, give us fulfillment in this life. We got strength for today. Hope for today. And an even brighter hope for tomorrow. Because it starts us off clean. The word, the phrase born again has been used so much that it almost doesn't really hold a meaning. But it means that you are a new creation on the inside. Jesus Christ offers us a clean start, a fresh start for all those sins that are maybe we feel guilty about or whatever the case is, they're all washed away. We have a new relationship now with God. And we are headed for a very bright eternity. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It also says that in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. And his right hand pleasures forevermore. This Christian life is good now because we do get that taste of heaven. But it only makes us desire to be more in his presence even fully after we leave this life. And following Christ is truly a fulfilling life, a fulfilling lifestyle. God wants you to have the best. And it doesn't get any better than Christ in your life because when you have him you have all you need amen praise the Lord thank you very much for listening and don't forget to follow this podcast God bless thanks again for your interest in the end of days podcast Please remember to follow this podcast. Also follow me on Getter, on Gab social media, on Twitter, and also now on Public Square. Trying to get the word out. Look for me on those social media apps. God bless you. Talk to you later.